This episode is being brought to you by the Speak English with Tiffany Academy. If you have to speak English with clients, the Academy is for you. If you have to take an English exam like IELTS or TOEFL, the Academy is for you. If you are planning to immigrate to Canada, America, or another English speaking country, the Academy is for you. So join today by going to www.speakenglishwithtiffanyacademy.com. Welcome to the Speak English with Tiffany podcast, a podcast especially created for intermediate and advanced English learners. In this podcast, you will hear natural English conversations, learn specific English tips and tricks, and also get to know many different ESL teachers. This podcast will take your English ability to the next level and help you to be more confident and more fluent when you speak in English. Are you ready? Well then, let's jump right in. Hey everyone, this is Teacher Tiffany and I want to thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Speak English with Tiffany podcast. In today's episode, we are going to speak with my good friend, Michelle. Michelle and I met in university, played basketball together, share a love for languages and so much more. She is also an ESL teacher, among other things, And I guarantee that you are going to love her energy in this interview. Let's jump right in. Hey, Michelle, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you? Hey, Tiffany, I'm great. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, guys, I'm going to let Michelle introduce herself, but just to give you a little bit of history or background, Michelle and I met in university years ago. I don't know if the exact number of, of years. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Doesn't matter. We met in university and we actually played basketball together. So mm-hmm. we love the sport. For those that already know me, I love sports and Michelle also loves sports. But Michelle, can you give us a basic introduction of who you are? Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Take as long as you like. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm Michelle. Currently, I work as a college professor. Um, I have an interesting mix of languages because my primary job is to teach Spanish, Uh even though I'm a native English speaker. Um, But I also coordinate the ESL program for my university. So I have like some overlap, you know, in our interests and our areas. Um, So I teach. Um, I used to be a lawyer, but I was less than... um, thrilled by the profession. And so I decided to change it up a little bit. Uh And um, yeah, I'm a traveler and an adventurer. Wow. So you guys, one more time, I'm going to summarize what she said. She was a lawyer. She loves to travel. She speaks Spanish. She teaches Spanish, but she's also over the ESL program. What don't you do? (laughs) Amazing. Um, Stay on rhythm, some would say. Um, <laughs> dancing on rhythm is not one of my strengths. Listen. Really? Um, Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Why did I assume, Michelle, that you naturally had the best rhythm? Like, you have so no. much energy. No, I've struggled for years. Listen, I have to concentrate. Sometimes, really? like, I have to look down at my feet to make sure they're moving on the right, you know, beat. Really? 
Really? We all have our burdens. We all have our crosses to bear, Tiffany. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, and that's your cross, but that's my cross. Fake it till you make it, because yes. I would have never Eat known. That. See, see, I mean, even right there, like you got a little bit of the rhythm. So I'm thinking you're on the same page. Nope. <laughs> it's all the fake. It's all the fake. Well, you can fake it till you make it. All right. Okay. So Michelle, thank you very much. So they know you're a teacher. Now I know you are somewhere else right now. Would you mind telling us where you are right now? So I know your university is in Alabama, actually yes. both of our alma maters, but Oakwood University, we all would, I we went to Oakwood it. College, but you know, now it's university. I went to Oakwood College too, yeah. but now I'm an employee yeah. of Oakwood University. Oakwood university. You know, we love you. We love you, Oakwood. Um, so yeah. where are you right now though? Um, so I just moved up to North Carolina. Um, I'm mm-hmm. doing a research fellowship for a year up here at Duke University. Nice. And so I'm, I have a project that I've been working on about translation. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. translating. Um, I started a project looking at how people translated Malcolm X into Spanish. Nice. Languages. And I found it really interesting. And so mm-hmm. I decided this year I'm going to like expand the project to like works of literature and uh, film and see how people have been translating kind of racial language and other things that might be culturally specific or taboo. Very nice. It sounds very interesting. Very interesting. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be watching movies and reading books, <laughs> um, but also doing some really in-depth analysis. So it's not a vacation, guys, especially my, especially my co-workers and my students. It's not a vacation. Right. It's not a vacation, guys. She's actually working. So hard. So, so hard. hard. But it's so going to be so fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, it's funny. So I know you speak Spanish. And when you mentioned about seeing how they translated a book into Spanish, I noticed that when I was learning Korean, there were a lot of phrases and concepts that just didn't transfer because of the cultural differences. So it was very interesting to learn how we think differently. Like it's not just language, it's the way you think and also your culture. So very interesting. Very yeah, interesting. it's like you, you, you put it, you, you encapsulated it so well, right? Like, like, listen, you, you know, we're speaking one language, you're speaking one language, I'm speaking another language, and maybe even we have a word that's similar to that word, but that doesn't mean yep. that the word has the same meaning in both languages. And, and so it's interesting to see how people relate to concepts, depending on which language you're presenting in, uh, the concept in. That's true. That's very true. Have you noticed that in your classes, like when you teach at um, Oakwood University, your students mainly speak Spanish, right? Um, when I'm teaching the ESL classes, yeah, most of the students are Spanish speakers. Got you. Have you noticed that they have a difficult time understanding English concepts? I know the Spanish culture is not, it's different, of course, from American culture, but yeah. have you noticed that they have a harder time or they kind of catch on quickly? It depends on the concept, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our students that are in the ESL class, they've had some, you know, some time in the United States. And so, like, they understand, they understand things about, like, culture in the U.S. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that they're like, this doesn't make sense. Why do yeah. you do this? Yeah. I remember one, one thing that was interesting. So, in, um, from September 15th to October 15th, we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month in the U.S., Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we celebrate the contributions of um, Hispanic Americans in the United States. And so I thought I was going to do like some interesting overlap. And so I found, yeah. I was like, okay, there was a Cuban astronaut uh-huh. who was the first um, American or first person from the Americas and not from the United States to nice. go into space or yeah. 
think. And, and then they also said he was the first black man to go into space because he had like African descent. Right. But, and so when I presented this to my African-American students, they were like, oh, you know, yeah, first, uh-huh. first black man in space, first non-American in space. Okay. And um, in my ESL class, I actually had a lot of students who were Cuban. And I, so I said, um, yeah, so this man, he was the first person from the Americas to go into space. And he was also the first black person to go into space. And they all had these expressions on their face, like that he's, he's not black. (laughs) Oh, wow. Because, because, you know, in the United States, we have this concept of race as like this huge, right? Mm -hmm. This huge group, right? It's this Mm -hmm. global category. So Mm -hmm. if you have any African descent, you can be black. And it's not the same way in Latin America. So in Cuba, like that guy, he wouldn't be Negro, which is their wow. black. He would be something else. And so one of this kid, one of the kids in the class was like, "Listen, if that guy's black, I'm black." And the kid was white. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like a concept too. Like you know, we have words, we have the same word, right? But that doesn't yeah. mean they, they apply to the same thing. And so I think that's one of the things that like students when they're learning English and they're learning U.S. culture, yeah. They, yeah. they might um, like bump against because they already have an idea that they're coming with from their culture. And so that was something that's interesting. And then Oakwood is a historically black university. True. Which is an interesting oh. concept, right? And so you have to kind of explain like, what's the context that, it, you know, from which this emerged? Why do we have this kind of school um, for people yeah. who are coming from other countries? Wow. Man, you just dropped some, some serious knowledge <laughs> bombs on us because... <laughs> It is very true. Like students, I hope you guys understood what she said. And if you didn't, please rewind because there is kind of this idea of black, white, like Mm -hmm. everyone that has a darker skin complexion, you are automatically black in that category. It's, it's more prevalent in America, that belief, but even in other countries as well, like when they look at people because of their skin complexion. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting with people that quote unquote do have that skin complexion say, no, I'm not black. I am whatever their country or their nationality actually is. So very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. All right. Question number two. Why did you become an English teacher and how long have you been an English teacher? I know that you teach Spanish, mm-hmm. but you're over the ESL program at Oakwood. So yeah. how did that happen? What's it been like? It's a really interesting story, actually, because I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to become an English teacher. When I first started teaching, uh-huh. I started teaching Spanish because uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know, that was my passion. Uh-huh. And, um, so I actually, before, it was interesting, I was thinking about this before we started talking. When I was in graduate school, I had just started teaching Spanish. Uh-huh. There was someone who wanted me to tutor them in English. And I said, oh, you know, I'm a native English speaker. This will be fine. Uh-huh. And so he was a priest at wow. like a local, I think I, he was from somewhere in Eastern Europe, but he was working at like the parish in Santa Barbara when I was in grad school. Uh-huh. And so he was trying to work on like his English and he was doing these different verb tenses. And, and so I remember sitting down with him and I'm looking in this book and he's asking me, oh, you know, why do you do this in English? Or why do you say this? Uh-huh. I didn't know. I can just tell Mm. you that this is what you say. This sounds kind of weird. You can say that if you want. People will understand what you mean. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have an explanation. Like I Mm. didn't, I didn't know what to tell him because I was a native English speaker. Still am. But I (laughs) Me too. Me too. Haven't changed. You know what I'm saying? We're on the same page. (laughs) Native English speaker, but I didn't have the tools to explain 
the, the nuts and bolts and the whys and the hows that were happening in the language. So I think he was the only person I ever tutored in English before. Wow. Over to Oakwood. Because with Spanish, it was different. Because yeah. Spanish, I learned Spanish in school. So I learned about verb tenses and I learned about mm-hmm. accents. I learned about mood. I learned uh-huh. about vocabulary and uh-huh. what level you should be on if you're beginning and intermediate and advanced. And with English, since it was something that I was kind of born and socialized into, I hadn't followed uh-huh. the same steps. Uh huh. And I, I mean, I guess full disclosure, I majored in English professional writing mm-hmm. when I was in college, but it wasn't English language arts education. And mm-hmm. and language arts education would have given me the tools, you know, to mm-hmm. educate people on language. English professional writing just taught me how to be a great writer. Right. <laughs> so, you know, people Some say like, my own horn. <laughs> <laughs> not for nothing, but English professional writing taught me how to be an amazing writer. <laughs> yes. yes. So, yeah. So after, um, after that one tutoring experience, I, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't my goal. Mm-hmm. But then when I came over to Oakwood, we talked about how they wanted to develop a more robust ESL program. Mm-hmm. And so as part of that program, they sent several of us, this is, this is going to sound strange, so just bear with me. Uh-huh. <clears throat> we needed to complete ESL um, or TESOL training, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we went to Spain. That's why I said, bear with me. <laughs> you went to Spain? To, to learn uh, how to be to a learn. better English teacher. Correct. Yeah, um, that, that, makes, that makes sense. That's why I said, bear with me. That's why I said, bear with me. Got you. Okay, we'll follow along. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the program that we did, it was the CELTA. So it's the Certificate in English Language Teaching to Adults um, through Cambridge University. And so, or Cambridge University. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so the language school was run by like British a British organization and like British teachers. So they were all English speaking. We just happened to be in Spain partly because uh-huh. I, I was like, listen, they have these things all over the world. Let's do best of both worlds. You know, let's go yep. to Spain and get the Spanish. And then yep. we get the English, you know, the TESOL certification. And also it was like a thousand dollars cheaper to yep. do it in Spain than to do it in the United States. Makes sense. <laughs> so makes sense. We headed to Spain to learn how to teach English. Wow. But one of the benefits was we had built-in students. So when nice. we were doing the certification, you know, we had to do practice teaching. Uh-huh. And there was a wealth, you know, of non-native yeah. English speakers because we were in Spain. And so that was kind of cool. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. You know, as you were talking, I actually could um, relate completely because when I first went to Korea, again, like you, I speak English because it's my native language mm-hmm. and I was raised in an environment where only English was spoken. So I naturally adapted and learned the proper rules. Now, of course, mm-hmm. like in high school and even yeah. middle school, we learned some grammar rules, but you learn it and you just keep moving on. You don't memorize yeah. the rules. So when I got to Korea as well, it was the same situation. They would ask me questions like, teacher, what's the past present participle or, or what's yeah. this PP? I'm like, listen, listen, Yikes. <laughs> participle, this and that. Nope. I'm not teaching you that, but I will teach you how to speak. So even now students, the ones that are listening right now too, I've been known as the teacher that doesn't teach English grammar, which kind of sets me apart because I purposely don't teach it 
Yeah. You feel like you guys can get that in a book. And mm-hmm. it's very important. I'm going to teach you how to actually speak and use what you've learned. Yeah. And like these natural conversations to see how Americans actually speak to each other. So mm-hmm. I totally understand what you're saying because I felt the same way when I was in the classroom. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of um, surprising to you, right? Because mm-hmm. at first you're confident. You say, oh, you know, I speak English. This is my native, <clears throat> excuse me, this is my native language. Uh-huh. I'm going to be able to school these students. They're going to learn. It's going to be the best. And then when they ask questions like, you know, what's the past part of school? It's like... <laughs> So there are times, to be honest, even though, you know, I toot my own horn, there are times when I'm speaking English and I'm creating one of the perfect tenses and I'm like, what is the participle of this? Uh-huh. Like, is uh-huh. it drank or drunk? Uh-huh. Is it, is it swam or swum? Uh-huh. Like, what is it? Because <laughs> it doesn't always make sense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes I have to just, you know, sometimes I do some of those Google searches just like, yep. this? Yep. Students, we're telling you our secrets, but it's the yeah. truth. There are times yeah. when we don't know. Now, honestly, even you guys, I'm talking to the students listening, mm-hmm. you guys do the same thing in your own language. Mm-hmm. There are times when you forget words, forget how to put words together. So, Michelle, when I was in Korea, after I got comfortable with being a teacher and I started loving it, I loved it from the beginning, but like I got comfortable with being okay with saying, hey, I don't know that answer. Let me find yeah. it for you. Yeah. My cell phone. I said, hold on, guys, wait for a second. Let me ask Google. And I would, I got to the point where I was comfortable with saying, I don't don't know know everything, guys. It's okay. Like, it's a language that I'm constantly learning as well, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I think students understand that part. Mm. Yeah. I was like, you have to be honest. I think you didn't ask me this question, but uh, I think (laughs) I'll answer it anyway. Uh, What goes into being a language teacher? I think you have to be honest Mm -hmm. because if, Mm -hmm. if you don't know, Mm-hmm. And you pretend that you do know. Mm-hmm. And then later your students discover that you were wrong. Mm. Right? Like that kind of undermines what you're doing, what you're trying to do. Exactly. And then at the same time, you're trying to get the students to be honest about what they understand and don't understand and what they're comfortable with and not comfortable with. And if you're not exactly. modeling that, then it makes it harder for them to be authentic with you. you know? That's true. Very well stated. We see why you got that writing degree. Uh, English writing degree. Professional writing. <laughs> professional writing. writing. Now, am I a professional writer? No. <laughs> Who knows? The world, the world is my oyster. Maybe one day. Maybe one day you'll put those skills to use. But you just no. did it. You just did it just now. Yes. yes. Uh, but I do agree. I do agree. It's okay to admit and be honest. And I think students do appreciate honesty as opposed to faking it. Okay. Well then now, so you've told us the story. You guys traveled to Spain. Yes. Your certification, the CELTA CELTA, right? (laughs) Cambridge. Cambridge University. University. And now you're back. You come back. You're now in Alabama. You've come back to America and you have your first class. Tell me what your first experience was. So, so, um, the first experience, there was a lot of uncertainty. So even mm-hmm. though as part mm-hmm. of the, the training program, I had taught, I think, maybe 20 hours of classes mm-hmm. while we mm-hmm. were over there. And I taught at two different levels. I taught at the A2 level, which for Spanish is, I mean, excuse me, over there for English was pre-intermediate. Uh-huh. And then I taught at B1, which was like intermediate low. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I had some experience, but when we were in the training program, there were specific levels, like the, the, 
um, language program gave um, uh, like entrance examinations, right, to mm -hmm. see what level the students were on. And so all the students in A2 were at A2 and all the students in B1 were on B1. Uh -huh. And so when I got down to Oakwood, like we were developing the program, right? Uh -huh. And so we didn't have the differentiation of like, oh, this is A2, this is B1, this is B2. And so when I showed up on the first day of class, I had no idea what the student's um, language proficiency was. Uh -huh. So I was trying to prepare with a lot of unknowns. Right. Like I didn't wow. know. <laughs> I didn't know if students were going to be coming in and need to know, like, good morning. Hi. Hello. <laughs> My How? How are you? I'm fine. How thank are you. you. And you. Because I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, so it was a little bit, I was a little bit off. You know, mm. because even when I was teaching Spanish, I taught beginning Spanish, I taught intermediate Spanish, mm -hmm. I taught like upper division Spanish. And so like, the assumption was that the students in the class would be on that level. And so mm -hmm. when I first started teaching English at Oakwood, I didn't have, I couldn't rely on any of those assumptions. I didn't know what the students' capabilities were. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things I did on the first day of class was kind of like my version mm -hmm. of a placement test. <laughs> and uh -huh. so I had this. I had them write a paragraph and so I gave them instructions and they had to write a paragraph in English and uh -huh. then um, there was like a multiple choice kind of grammar quiz I gave them to see where uh -huh. they were uh -huh. and, and so I, I realized they no one virtually no one was on the good morning <laughs> how are you you know like everyone was familiar with those basic greetings and things uh -huh. um, but when it got to forming sentences, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and a lot of the students knew vocabulary. That was one thing. Mm -hmm. But when it came to conjugating verbs mm -hmm. and forming sentences, mm -hmm. um, they were less confident. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. at the beginning, you know, I would, I had interacted with the students previously mm -hmm. and interacted with them in Spanish. And, you know, they were fully themselves, you know, big personalities, laughing and joking. And then when we got into the English class, some of those same students were very quiet mm -hmm. and reserved and not talking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is going on? Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> You're not even the same student. <laughs> and so it was like this difference in like their confidence, right? And being able to express themselves in a different yeah. language. So that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the, the hurdles when you're interacting with students who are finding, I guess, their comfort zone in the new yeah. language. Um, yeah. But it, 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 I think it just takes time mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. and practice mm -hmm. and then just encouraging the students to, yeah. speak, to speak, to speak, and to try to get them away from translators. Because that was something, mm. because the students are taking other classes, so they take English as a second language, mm -hmm. but they're also taking biology and mm -hmm. psychology mm -hmm. and classes that are taught completely in English. Mm -hmm. And in those classes, they're using Google Translate. Yeah. So translating things. And, and, and so for ESL class, I was like, if in no other class, you should not have to rely on your translator. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <Here>. Yeah. <laughs> So that was one of the things too, trying to build their confidence so that they wouldn't, you know, just immediately try to go to translate the sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing as teachers to try to give our students confidence. Like that confidence can really take you to the next level. 
yeah. where you actually can show your true colors or your true personality, even yeah. in the other language. So while you were teaching them and helping them and trying to get them uh, more confident, have, did you notice, uh, I guess, three best qualities of a good English student? Now, not based on grade, like yeah. based on, you know, a student that is trying. So like, yeah. what are three qualities you would say you noticed of a good English student? Um, from the students, I would say the students that I enjoyed having in class, <laughs> the students that, you know, you can see making progress. It's a student that, that takes the risk, right? Because I think almost everyone is going to feel some feeling of uncertainty at the beginning. I know I certainly have when I've studied other languages. Mm -hmm. So that's natural. That's mm -hmm. a part of the process. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the best students are willing to take the risk, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes there are even students who, you know, they've studied the material and they know it pretty well, mm -hmm. but they will never say anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and the reason why I think it works better when you take the risk and you speak out loud, it helps the student, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because the student gets to understand what's right, what's wrong. Oh, I, I, I made this mistake, but now I understand why it's a mistake and I won't make it again. But right. also the other students in the class learn. Because True. They might have been thinking the same way and they learn that, okay, this isn't the way to say it. That's the way to say it. True. And so when a student, you know, is speaking, it benefits not only the student, but also the other students in the class. True. Um, I think in that same vein. Yeah. I think that students that are collaborative. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, when it's a shared, I mean, obviously it's one-on-one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's a collaborative setting, like a classroom setting and mm -hmm. students are, are willing to interact with their classmates mm -hmm. and show what they know and learn from each other, mm -hmm. then I think that that's a, a pretty great characteristic. So I'll say students that are students that participate, you know, yeah. students that collaborate uh -huh. and students that prepare. Because yeah. one thing is to show up and learn what's taught that day in class. Mm -hmm. And you can learn just mm -hmm. showing up to learn, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have already prepared before you come to class, mm -hmm. then you can go so much further, right, mm -hmm. with the material. The class can move so much further. True. Um, you get to maximize your time. Very true. All right. You can tell you're a teacher. She said, number one, participate. Number two, collaborate. And number three, prepare. I like it. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Definitely. Totally agree. hundred percent. hundred percent. Okay. So you kind of teased it a little bit when you said that you had some students you enjoyed more than the others. Um, did you ever have a favorite student? Now you don't have to say his or her name if you don't want to, but you can. If my, you want <laughs> my favorite student. My was... favorite student's name is. <laughs> okay. So if you did tell me about him or her and why were they your favorite? Um, yes. The, the short answer is yes. I've had favorite students and, and it's favorite students, right? Usually like one or two favorites per class. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that ingratiates. Mm -hmm. ingratiates <laughs> look it up in the dictionary, guys. Ingratiates uh -huh. a student to this professor <laughs> um, is, is students who are just super enthusiastic about mm -hmm. learning. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's the mm -hmm. student that comes in 
the huge smile on their face, like, good yeah. morning, always says things. It comes in if it's English class, they're always speaking English. Even mm -hmm. if they're making mistakes, right, we're going back and forth, but they're trying. Mm -hmm. um, and they just have like a positive spirit and enthusiasm. And that helps me because, you know, I, I teach because I enjoy languages. I enjoy language teaching. But when you have a whole class full of kind of like, you know, yeah. kind of violent, bored, yeah, bored, exasperated, frustrated students, it affects your energy as a teacher as well. Very and true. So my favorite students have been kind of enthusiastic, yeah, um, energetic, and just yeah. like committed right to the process of language learning. Those are the students that I like the most. Nice. I'm just writing the last one. Committed to the process of language learning. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Good. Yes, yeah, students, honestly, um, like what Michelle just said, it's true. Even when I was teaching, as a teacher, we feed off of our students. Now, mm -hmm. my students know I have a lot of energy, and they can probably tell from this interview that you also have a lot of energy. Me? But, yes, <laughs> you, right there. Me? Right there. <laughs> Me? It's like, but even us, people who naturally have a lot of energy, we still feed off of our students. So if we come into a classroom and everyone's sitting with their heads in their hands and they have kind of a dreary look on their face and they don't respond, it kind of drains our energy naturally. So I agree. When students have energy, it kind of makes it more fun and yeah. become your favorites too. So have more energy, students. Have more energy. <laughs> Have more energy. Drink your coffee, students. Have breakfast, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, on another note, what's mm -hmm. the hardest thing about teaching English? Uh -oh. I think yeah, I was like, oh, me. <laughs> the hardest thing, especially as someone who was starting to teach English for the first time, mm -hmm. um, the hardest thing was knowing how to approach it. Like you were saying, mm -hmm. you're the teacher that teaches through natural conversation, right? Like mm -hmm. you want to make sure that mm -hmm. the students know how things are said and how they can have a conversation. And so when I was starting out teaching, I was trying to find a balance. And mm -hmm. so I was like, should I focus on vocabulary? Should I be focusing on grammar? Should I be mm -hmm. focusing on composition? Should I be focusing on listening? Should I be mm -hmm. focusing on speaking? And so I think the hardest thing was deciding like what my approach was going to be mm, right? mm. as a language teacher. Like, am I going to be like grammar, 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 right? <laughs> all the verbs, <laughs> all the tenses, all the participles <laughs> or, and, and interestingly enough, this is kind of like a per parenthetical on the side. So I taught, mm -hmm. I taught English at Oakwood for one semester. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But then um, we have a Spanish language church mm -hmm. that meets um, at the university. And so they recruited me to start teaching an ESL class for the community, oh. um, like for two hours on Sundays. And that's actually where I got more experience because I did that for almost a year. Wow. <laughs> and, and yeah, and so with that class, even I started, I was like grammar, grammar, grammar. And they were like, you know, they were kind of getting the exercises, but still I noticed that, that it they wasn't couldn't speak yet. conversation skills. Right. And, and so then like, I noticed a shift in my own pedagogy. 
Uh-huh. Like, Listen, you guys are getting some <laughs> advanced English words in this episode. Yes. Continue. Uh, I had to adjust my pedagogy uh-huh. so that the students would be able to communicate more. And so we started doing role play exercises, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you need to order and one of you is the waiter and you have to give the specials. And so like giving them skills that would help them be communicative, but that might also be useful when they're going about daily life in Truth. the United States. Yeah. And so the challenge was, okay, figuring out what's going to work for my students, mm-hmm. what's going to help them learn and what's going to be practical here. Because yeah. like when I teach Spanish, I do, I don't teach um, like grammar every class. Like we have a community right. focus, but they have to know grammar because right. I'm like, it's important. It's important, right? Because if yeah. you're just saying things with no regard for grammar, native speakers are going to look at you like, are you okay? Like what's wrong with your, what are you saying? No. These words. Uh, <laughs> I, I recognize these words, but I don't know what they mean together. Right. And um, I think the difference, so when, when you're in the United States, I'm teaching English in the United States. I'm teaching Spanish in the United States. Mm-hmm. And what separates them for me are like the stakes, right? Yeah. Because if a student in the United States doesn't learn Spanish, the stakes for them are different, right? They can still mm-hmm. go throughout their daily life. They can accomplish all their tasks. And so sometimes that influences their motivation for learning. And they're just like, listen, right. stakes are low. Right. I just need to pass this class with a D and then right. I can graduate. Exactly. But when I'm teaching people English in the United States, the stakes are a little bit higher because if you learn English, mm-hmm, you learn to mm-hmm. communicate and to express yourself, that means that things get easier for you, right? True. Tasks become, everyday tasks become monumentally more easy, like monumentally easier. And so you, when you go to the store and when you're at a restaurant and when you're talking about the weather, for some reason, we did like a whole weather lesson. We were talking yep, about yep. the weather and uh-huh. to your friends and all of these different things the stakes are a little bit higher. It's yeah. totally possible. Um, but yeah, and so that, that's what separates like the two for me. Like I understand that in the ESL classes, in the context of teaching English as a second language in the United States, like the stakes are a little bit higher. The students are generally a little bit more motivated. True, because true. They need the language skills to be able to con- accomplish their daily tasks. That's very true. That's very true. Wow, okay. Um, then what do you enjoy most about teaching English? Like I recognize that sometimes it can be difficult to figure out how to actually convey a lesson yeah. or convey a point to a student because you're not necessarily sure how they're learning or where their grammar level is. Mm-hmm. But what do you enjoy most about this entire process? I, I enjoy seeing the progress that students make. Like when mm. they, they say a word that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> learn that. Yes. You know, they know an expression or when they remember something. And so one, oh, sorry, I didn't mention this last time. One of the challenges for me of teaching uh-huh. ESL, and this is going to loop back to okay. what I enjoy. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, it's going to come back. Uh-huh. One of the challenges is that when I started teaching ESL, most of my students, were Spanish speakers. And uh-huh. since I'm a Spanish speaker, right, one of the challenges was, okay, not just going into a Spanish translation of everything, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. they knew I spoke Spanish. I knew they spoke Spanish. And they were like, can you just explain this to us in Spanish? Right. So like, I didn't want it to become like a translation class, right? 
Yeah. Because that, that was actually something they taught us when we were doing our certification. They were like, you know, translation is not your, your teaching strategy. Like, wow. you, need to, <laughs> you need to be able to communicate through, um, you know, illustrations and gestures. Wow. You know, sometimes if it's taking too long and it's impeding the class, you can do like, right. a, you know, translation. But like, that shouldn't be the way that you're approaching the material. Um, yeah. You know, the funny thing is, um, so I lived in Korea. Mm -hmm. I taught English in Korea, but mm -hmm. I also spoke Korean. Yeah. And I actually found myself doing that. Like I would okay. translate certain concepts because it was just yeah. so much easier. Like, okay, yeah. let me just say it real quick in Korean. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. But again, over time you realize like, wait a minute, in some respects, it helped the students and I get closer. Because when yeah. they realized I could understand their language and I knew what their culture was, like I understood their culture, mm -hmm. they were able to really open up to me very quickly. So a lot of my yeah. students, I loved them and they loved me because we were close. But I did realize that even without me realizing it, I realized that I didn't realize how fast I was translating for them. Ah, the teacher, okay. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Especially because I had just learned the language. Well, I'd learned the language and I would switch really quickly. Mm. Like, I know what you understand. I know yeah. how to tell you this concept. But again, like you're saying, as teachers, we have to be careful to not translate all the time because yeah. it doesn't help the students in some situations. So, right. Yeah. Good point. They might have a teacher who doesn't speak Korean. Exactly. <laughs> then, then they're going to be like, um, but what is that? Right. <laughs> yeah. And so when thinking about what I enjoy the most, uh-huh. I see how you brought it back. You brought it full circle. Um, so one of the things was, you know, at the beginning, maybe there were concepts that I had translated for the students. And mm -hmm. then, you know, six months later or a year later, when they, they bring up the same concept, but they bring it up in English and they're like, remember, you know, they're like, remember that we, we uh... and I'm just like, I do remember. <laughs> You learn. <laughs> and so, yeah, when I see my students using English and remembering and interacting and um, yeah. that's the part that I like the most, like seeing the progress that they're making with yeah. them, being able to express themselves. True. Very true. Yes, it does. It's a rewarding feeling and it makes you like being a teacher and, yeah. you know, helping them reach their goals. All right. Well, the next question was about language, but we already know that you speak Spanish. So students, she does speak Spanish. She speaks Spanish. She's fluent. <laughs> <laughs> Professional, honey. Professional. <laughs> the students may be like, teacher, why does she keep switching her accent? Well, guys, if you're watching the video, it's much more interactive and it's actually more entertaining. So if you're not in the academy, this is a plug. If yes. you're not in the Speak English with Tiffany Academy, please come to the Academy. You can watch these podcasts, the live videos. They're very interesting. Way um, more entertaining. <laughs> very, very entertaining. Very entertaining. Oh, you know what? Before I go on to this next thing, mm -hmm. well, this is a natural progression. I was going to okay. ask you if you know any good English resources. And okay. not books like about grammar or about vocabulary, oh. but actually books that maybe you enjoy reading like any yeah. novels or any magazines or any youtube channels this mm -hmm. is where the plug is coming in <laughs> any youtube channels because i want the students to be able to improve their english by watching yeah. things that are natural things that we as native english speakers actually watch 
So would you like to tell us about your YouTube channel that students can also? Why, yes. Yeah, you know, I was going to say resources, resources. Okay, um, 501 English verbs. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> English grammar. Uh, <laughs> yes. So um, I was inspired by all the prolific. <laughs> our host speaking English with Tiffany. Well, thank you so um, much. You're so kind. <laughs> you know, how could I not? Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, so I started a YouTube channel. It's called Eva del uh-huh. Aire. I'm going to open it up right now. Hold on okay. one second. For okay. those that are watching the video, you can see my screen right now. Continue. Please continue. Okay. So mm-hmm. Eva del Aire. Uh-huh. Um, and I started checking out the channel or making the videos because I wanted to talk about travel, right? So I told you I'm a traveler and I'm an adventurer Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to go to different countries and I'm trying to experience new things. And so Mm -hmm. I started thinking, okay, well maybe I can make some videos about these things, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this particular video is about the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade Uh Um, was the coldest parade on record with a wind chill of negative four Fahrenheit. Wow. So we're going to do the calculation of Celsius, but right. it was freezing. Um, wow. And, you know, just going on an adventure in New York City with one of my friends and going to the parade. And so just trying to do um, different things that the audience, the tens, listen, tens <laughs> of subscribers have access to this quality content. So if any of your students would like to be 11 or 12, listen, sign up. Guys, please (laughs) subscribe to her channel. As you can tell, she has a lot of energy. It's good for you guys to feed off of her energy. You guys can see some adventures that she has gone on. Yes, please subscribe to her channel. Good stuff. Good stuff. (laughs) Now, is there any, tell me one more channel that you follow, like you follow, like in your free time, something you like. So I was going to say, oh, free time. One of the channels that I follow, actually, this was one of the inspirations for me starting my niece. So depending on the age of your students, my niece is 16, right? Uh, so, they're a little older. Mine are okay, I was like, <laughs> like they're in their 20s. Oh, okay. Some 20s, but yeah, they're a little older. But hey, you can still tell us about your niece and then we can talk about another one. <laughs> my niece, uh, Gabby Victoria, she does challenges she's one of the youtube channels that does challenges so she's like oh i only ate blue foods for 24 hours or i took my little brother to the store and i bought him everything he could carry Uh and this is what i look like getting ready for school in the morning so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of there's a lot of dialogue and content but yeah if your viewers are more mature they're probably not into the 16 year old uh, <laughs> range maybe maybe a little bit older maybe a little bit older <laughs> yeah maybe a little maybe a little bit older okay bit so older. Oh, <laughs> this is going to reveal things about my personal tastes uh-huh. but it's okay <laughs> yeah. let us know so one of the things that i'm usually watching on youtube is uh-huh. late night talk shows okay so i uh-huh. watch the late show with stephen colbert yes um, mm-hmm. cuz i don't have I don't have TV channels at my house. Uh-huh. So usually I just watch the clips when they come out on YouTube. So I watch the monologues. Uh-huh. And I very, I very rarely watch him when he's interviewing guests. I usually uh-huh. just watch his monologues. 
Okay, I'm going to open it up real quick so students yeah, can, yeah, so they can see. see. The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. With Stephen Colbert. Now, <laughs> what do you like the most about him? Is it just his, his uh, comedy, his sense of humor, or what is it about him you like so much? Yeah, I find him hilarious and uh -huh. also very, um, like he gives voice to things that are going on currently, right? Uh -huh. So we have things going on politically, we have things going on socially, and he kind of is able to talk about everything that's happening with a dose of humor, but uh -huh. it's also, um, it's talking about important issues. And so that's what, part of what I like when I'm watching his, um, his monologues. And then, nice. okay, this one. Okay, This gotcha. is also a late show. So uh -huh. this, this one's called Late Night, with Seth Meyer. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so there's one segment I like watching. Like, I watch his like monologues, but the thing I like is called Jokes Seth Can't Tell. Jokes Seth, that can't, Seth tell. can't Tell. Uh -huh. And so the concept is he, for a lot of these shows, there's a team of writers, right? Uh -huh. And so there's a team of writers that writes the monologue and the jokes. And so on his show, he has diverse writers. And so he has writers that are women. He has writers that are black. He has writers that are Latinx. He has writers that are all different backgrounds. And so uh -huh. sometimes they write jokes that he said as a straight white male, he doesn't feel comfortable delivering. And uh -huh. so this segment, he gives the setup, but then these two writers, Jenny and Amber, deliver the punchlines. And it is Whoa. hilarious. I mean, I need to check this out. It's so funny. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting, like an interesting way to understand language because it's, it, it has a lot of puns, right? And yeah. like punchlines. Yeah. So you understand like what they're doing with humor and how culture comes into that. Um, so if you have students who are more advanced speakers, this could be a nice way for them to like refine their knowledge of like U.S. humor. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why I ask these questions. I love to hear other people give their videos they like or other yeah. English channels or books because it really can give the students another world that they can yeah. look through. Like they would never find these channels if you <laughs> had mentioned Seth them. can't tell. What, what is like, this? Who is Seth? And <laughs> why, why can't, why he, can't he tell, tell the jokes? I don't understand. So <laughs> perfect. Yes, I have these all in the notes. So students, you guys can check out these channels. Really good. Really good. Okay. Last question for you. Okay. Any other advice you would give English learners? Anything at all you can think of as they're on their journey, what would you tell them? Any last comments? I would say dive in head first, mm. right? Push yourself further than you're even comfortable with. Mm. Because when you're in your comfort zone, you, you'll learn, right? Mm. And you'll, you'll go up right into the edge of that comfort zone. Mm. But you'd be amazed to mm -hmm. see what you're capable of when you're just even a little bit outside of where you feel comfortable mm -hmm. because you're in a situation where you haven't prepared, right? You, nothing has prepared you for this particular situation yeah. and you have to adapt and you have to be resourceful and that just sharpens your skills that much more. Mm -hmm. And it um, enables you to communicate with so many more people in different situations and different places. So jump in. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. The majority of people are kind. Yeah. I choose yeah. to believe. I, majority, I agree. I agree. The majority of people are kind. If you make a mistake, half of the people that you speak to won't even, half of the people won't acknowledge it because they understand right. what you mean. And it'll right. just keep moving. And then the people usually that, that correct you, it's because they want you to learn. 
And as long as you have that adaptable spirit um, and you take that constructive (laughs) criticism into stride, um, it'll push you to keep learning and keep growing and continue to mastery of the English language. Wow. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. My pleasure. Wow. Michelle, thank you so much for taking out some time to talk with us today. We really appreciate you. This has been fantastic. I'm thrilled, thrilled (laughs) to have been here today. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed. And hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Sign me up. (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, girl. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, if you want to watch the full video recording of my conversation with Michelle, all you have to do is join the Speak English with Tiffany Academy, go to the podcast interviews resource, and click episode 44. This has been Teacher Tiffany with the Speak English with Tiffany podcast. Until next time, remember to speak English.